Hi, I'm Lauren Young, and I want to welcome you to Discovery Church's podcast. Discovery Church is a community of people who are seeking truth and finding purpose. We welcome you to jump over to our website online and check us out at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's jump into this week's message. This morning, we honestly believe that this hour, and you've heard, if you've been here like almost every week from like lunch, you hear me say it often, we believe that this hour can literally be the most meaningful hour of your week. And uh, we're actually, uh, there's a few of us that are actually playing at a softball tournament. Discovery Church has a, has a softball team. And we're actually playing at a softball tournament, and we're actually missing a game right now, and we had to forfeit a part of our tournament because we actually believe that this hour is the most powerful and the most meaningful hour of our weeks. That if, and I was talking to some of the other coaches, and they were kind of like, well, you know what, you can miss church. And we're like, no, you can't miss church. I'm like, this is the time that you need to get together. This one hour of the 167 hours, 168, are going to springboard you into. I'm like, we'll give up the whole tournament. We'll give up our whole week, but we need this hour. We come together to worship Jesus together. We get to be an encouragement to each other. We get to be encouraged. So thank you for making this our you, like the best hour of the week. Just because I'm here doesn't mean it's, it's, it's the best hour. Just because you're here, no, it's because Jesus is amongst us. And we know that people are, are rooting us on and cheering us on. You're my biggest cheerleader and I'm your biggest cheerleader. So let's, let's keep rocking it. We're in this series called Check Your Vitals. And uh, it's, it's all around this idea that we know that God, there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. But there are things in our lives, that, um, disciplines in our lives that we can, we can implement into our lives that will help cultivate a life that is, that is able to be used more effectively for God. And we, and we want to make an impact in our city and our coworkers and our friends. And there are things that, that God says, hey, if you do this, guess what? Your relationship with me will grow. And in Matthew, we, in Matthew 13, I think it is, we read of this farmer who's throwing out seed, and, and some falls on the roadside, and birds come and take it, and some falls on thorns, and it, it, gets, it gets squashed out. And I don't know if squash is the right word. But, um, and some, throw, uh, some fall on fertile soil, and it, it produces 30-fold and, and 60-fold and 100-fold. We want to be that soil. And that's what Check Your Vitals is, is, is started with. And the first week, we talked about the vital Bible and how the Bible is the main way that God speaks to us. And that if some of us might be like, man, I've never heard God's voice, I would say dust off your Bible because there's a thousand pages there of God's voice speaking to you. And then we talked about uh, the heartbeat and how worship is not just a, a expression with lifting our hands or, or serving or, or singing, but worship is a lifestyle that is a lifestyle that's completely surrendered, totally devoted, saying, God, whatever it takes to reach people, I'm willing to be a vessel to be used for you. And then last week, we talked about the importance of church, importance of community. And uh, today, we encourage you to stay around after, after the service. We have church and chill. We have waffles, and we have berries, and whipped cream, and, and ham. And I'm hoping I'm not saying something that we don't have. Um, and there's juice. And we, we just welcome you to stay around and hang out, build that community. We believe that this hour that we get together is important. But we also know that the relationships that we build here is what keeps us going. And like I said, that Satan wants to divide us from the pack because when we get divided, that's when he, when he prounces. He wants to tell you that, oh, you don't need people or, or you can do it on your own. You can love Jesus without going to church. And we believe that that's not, not true. We say that you have to be a Christian for yourself, but you cannot be a Christian by yourself. 
So I welcome you to stay around, and we'll, it's, it's typically is in here, but we're in here right now. Uh, it'll be out and upstairs, and we'll have people guiding you upstairs. Come for a free brunch uh, right, after, right after the service this morning. And what, what will happen is that when we, we, when we get our vitals in check, we'll start producing a fruit, what the Bible talks about in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. And it's, it's these things, is that the fruit of the Spirit are love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Out of those eight, does anybody hear anything that they wish they had a little bit more of in there? Do you wish you would have more love, more joy, more peace, more patience? Hey, I took two kids to a softball game yesterday, our softball tournament yesterday that started at 9 o'clock, or wait, it was 10.20, and we finished at 8 o'clock, and I had two kids. I need more patience, okay? Um, and uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But this is what happens when we start, when we get our vitals in check and when we start producing this fruit. Um, have you ever walked into like a, have you ever been to Florida or walked into the local supermarket and, and it's when they first brought out the berries and you can sort of smell the fresh oranges or the fresh strawberries or the, or the fresh, uh, fresh peaches and you smell it or you see it or you taste it. What happens with the love, joy, peace, and patience? It might not be necessarily a physical smell that people people see, but when you walk around, your friends are like, what? what's that? It's, that's different. And you can know, they know that there's something different in the room. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a smell, a spiritual smell that, that engulfs you, and people are like, man, I'll, I want a little bit of what he has. I want a little bit of what they have. And, and what we're hoping to do through this vital series is that we would actually produce fruit of the Spirit that attracts people to Jesus. God wants our hearts. Christianity is not about a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts. And over the, over the past three weeks and over the next three weeks, the common theme is that God wants our hearts. God doesn't ask you to read the Bible because it's like, oh, well, you need to learn how to read. He asks you to read the Bible because he wants your heart. God doesn't ask you to come to church because he just wants you to come and sit in a seat. He knows that when you get around people that are the same like mine, we encourage each other to give God our hearts. Today's message I've titled Lifeline. Last week was Life Support. Today's Lifeline. And the vital that I want us to discuss this morning is prayer. See, prayer is one of the most powerful and fundamental aspects of our life. We cannot expect to grow in love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control without prayer. See, prayer will free us from bondage. It will strengthen you, guide you, and protect you. Prayer is our spiritual lifeline. It is our, it is our one way to stay connected to God. That, that in, in, in the storms of life, if, if you ever watched Titanic, I don't know if they threw it, but some, something with a boat, and they throw, they throw out this lifeline, right? But if there was no lifeline attached to you, you would still be this floating object out in the middle of the storm. But if there's a lifeline, there, there's something to hold on to. And prayer is something that we can hold on to because God's holding the other land and it's our direct connectivity between us and God. I remember the very first time that I can recall a prayer in my life being answered. I was 18 years old. It was 2002. 
And I was, I was in a, enrolled in a nine-month course that was happening in a local church. It was, it was focused on spiritual development, personal development. And I enrolled in this course, but a prerequisite for enrolling in this course is that I had to go nine months without working. So I was like, Mom, Dad. Um, and I would spend like an, an, an hour and a half in Bible reading and prayer and Bible memorization every day. And it was just this, but, but a part of it was like you couldn't work for your first year. And a part of this course is that we would spend time on uh, uh, each weekend traveling around our province, ministering in local churches. But a part of the prerequisite is that you had to have enough money to actually go to a restaurant or if you needed food when you were going on these ministry trips because you didn't want to depend on the church or the church that we were at could, just couldn't afford to send four or five students on the road and pay for meals every time. And I remember this one time that we were going on this trip. And at, at this this particular time, I've asked my parents for way too much money, and I had literally no money at all, nothing, nothing. My, my, my debit card was, was maxed out. I, I didn't have a visa, so that wasn't maxed out. I just had, I had nothing, and I made a decision in my mind that my parents have already paid for the whole course, have paid for my room and board, would pay for tons of food, would pay for everything else. I was like, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to force myself to fast if you don't show up. It wasn't because I wanted to fast, but I was like, well, if I got to, I'll fast for the weekend. But we were going on a road, and we were planning to eat at two restaurants with a meal at a restaurant's approximately 20 bucks, right? So I was like, God, I need 40 bucks. If you want me to eat this weekend, I need 40 bucks. So I literally prayed. I was just, God, I'm not asking my parents. I'm not telling nobody. But I know you can do it. And I remember praying it. And I left that morning, got into, got into the vehicle of my friend, and we drove to, drove to the church. We were picking up a few more of our team. And one of my team members came out with a card. And I was like, hey, a friend of the family dropped this off at my house this morning. Here, here's a card for you. Your name's on it. Open it up, and it's 20 bucks. I'm like, sweet. I get to eat at least once um, on this weekend. And I'm like, well, God, that's half the prayer. Have you ever prayed a prayer, and you feel like only half of it's been answered? Or, or not, not that much of it, or it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I think I can make that work as an answer to prayer. And we were driving down the highway, and this is small-town Newfoundland, okay, so it's normal that if, like, people would, like, flag you down. We're driving down the highway at 100 kilometers an hour. We're going over, over a pass, and we're about 15 kilometers on our road trip already, and somebody has, like, sped through the community to get up on the corner of this highway, and they literally flag us down. And they're flagging us down, and we're like, what is going on? So we turn over to the side because we knew them, and they flag us down, and, and they flagged us down so much, and, like, they were, like, out, like, on the road, like, trying to stop us, and there was another card was my name on it and he handed it in it was another 20 bucks <laughs> and right now i don't know where you're at but you know what 40 bucks at that time in my life was a huge answer to prayer huge i bet you if you if you think in your life or if i came and had a personal conversation with each one of you i bet you there's there's things in your life that you've seen that's answer to prayer you know what you you might even be here in this in this building at discovery church as an answer to prayer. Can I encourage you that you are actually here because of an answer to prayer? Every Saturday, every Sunday morning, I'm like, God, please allow somebody to show up. And you're an answer to prayer. You're an answer to my prayer uh, just, just by being here. So thank you for proving God answers prayer every single week. Now, this might be your very first time here. Or you might be like, man, I don't know about this prayer thing. Are we really supposed to? How do we do it? 
You've probably watched TV before, and you probably have some idea, no matter if this is your very first time ever in the church or if this is your you know, 40th year going to church, you probably have some idea of what prayer might look like. You've probably seen some TV show where people are like kneeling down at a, a bench or praying through prayer beads or in a confession booth. You might have some idea, and you probably think that, man, if it, Christianity and prayer somehow mixed together. Somehow it's relevant to a Christian life. But how and why? Whenever I ask the question why or how, I always find myself drawn to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I also find myself drawn back to my high school years. And if you're not old enough uh, to remember the WWJD bracelets, uh, I, used to, I used to wear one. It used, it's literally a piece of string with WWJD, and you would just be like, oh, what would Jesus do? But what would he do, right? When you're, when you're kind of like, man, what, what, how do I pray? What am I supposed to do? It's really good to look at what Jesus did and use Jesus as an example in your life. So can we take a look at what Jesus did in, in forms of prayer? Jesus exemplified a personal relationship with God through prayer that gave him great, great strength. Jesus didn't just come to die on a cross for our sins, but he came to give us life and life to the full. I'm, I'm certainly glad that he came to die for my sins. But I always say it like this, is that when we make a decision to follow Jesus, to say, God, God uh, Jesus, you, you gave your life to die for my sins. You rose again, and I believe, and I confess it with my mouth. God, help me live a life that pleases you. I'm thankful for that, but it's kind of like that crossover moment. What we say is coming from like death into life or darkness into light. And if you were here, like our very first series, uh, almost a year ago now, we talked about how there's this life moment from minus 10 to plus 10 and how crossing over from minuses to plus is this, this pivotal moment of, of salvation and of conversion. But there's so much more to, to Christian life instead of just living around this, this zero and, and one And Jesus came so we could have life and life to the full. He didn't just come so we would have fire insurance. And living a life to the full is living a life like Christ. And the best way to live like Christ is to model his life. Did you catch that? I'll say it again. Living life to the full is living like Christ. And the best way to live like Christ is to model his life. So finding out why prayer is important from Jesus And he recognized that prayer was a great strength of his. If if the Son of God can find strength and, like, extraordinary strength from praying, can you imagine how much we humans could get from from having a direct relationship, a direct conversation from God, a a lifeline connected to God? He exemplifies prayer. In Luke 5.16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Mark 135 says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out and isolate at, to an isolated place to pray. In Matthew 26, this is how important prayer is. Jesus knew that he was about to be crucified. And in Matthew 26, we find him, the last thing that he was doing before he got arrested was spending time praying. Now, if I have one day or one week left to live, I wonder how much time I would actually spend praying. 
I can't, if I put my, my, myself in Jesus' shoes, I think I would like, man, I want to hang out with my disciples. I want to hang out with my close three, my mom, and, my mom and dad, my brothers. What's going on? But Jesus is like, no, I want to pray. So here we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying as the soldiers are coming for him. One of the last things that he did before he was crucified on the cross was spend time praying. But in Luke twenty two thirty two, we also uh, read that, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. We find that Jesus was praying for others. And then we actually even find that Jesus was praying for his enemies, the people that crucified him and cast lots for his clothing. It says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they've divided up his clothes by casting lots. He prayed for his enemies. The only way to be a healthy Christian is to spend time with God in prayer. It's our lifeline. It's our direct communication with God. Now, I know what some of us are thinking, because I've thought it. God, I've prayed before, but nothing's happened. I prayed before, but I only got 20 bucks instead of 40 bucks. I prayed before, but God, the... The answer that I got was not what I expected. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, strong words, if we ask anything, but these next four words are crucial. According to his will. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. You may have tried praying before, but how many times do we approach God in prayer already determine what we want the outcome and the answer to be? According to his will. So if we pray according to his will, he'll give us whatever we ask for. But how many times do we approach him and we pray according to our will? How many times do we approach him saying, God, well, if you, if you love me, you would do this. See, that's not us lining up with his will. That's asking God to line up with our will. That is, not us, that is us giving God the answer And when he doesn't give us the answer that we want, we're just like, oh, God, you're not the God that loves me. You're not the God that answers me. You're not answering prayers. And honestly, I can speak for myself. Sometimes I act like a spoiled seven-year-old. Oh, God, I really, really, really wanted the Oilers to win. But they didn't, God. When When I was a teenager playing basketball, I'd always pray, God, let us win today. I think it cares, but I think it cares more for me to just give me everything I want because he knows that even some stuff that I want is not what's best for me. If I was walking down the street with Hudson and he wanted to get to the other side of the street, Hudson's my two-year-old, soon to be three. 
And he wanted to get to the other side of the street or he's seen a ball on the other side of the street and he wanted to run across the street. What do I do? I grab him and say, no, there's a car coming. I wait for the car to go and go by. But he kicks and screams and screams and screams. Ah, I want to get the ball. And he screams. But I'm not going to like, oh, go. Hit by a car. I'm not going to do that, right? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a father that I hope as best as I can. I love my kids. And I can see what future would look like in that very moment if he ran in front of a car. And I wonder how many times that we pray or we ask God for something, and God was like, man, that's going, to be, that's going to be treacherous. That's going to be traumatic for you if I let you do that. But he loves us enough for us to be a little bit upset with him or a little bit of wondering why, because he knows the future. And I think so many times we, we, we try to put human characteristics on a God who's not bound by time, who's all-knowing, beginning and end, we say, we, we, sometimes I think we feel like we know better. And God is willing to have us a little bit upset with him if it means that he gets our hearts. He will be willing to be the loving parent that knows best but God, I prayed that I would marry that beautiful, handsome young man. I prayed. God's kind of like, he doesn't even know who I am. He doesn't even love me. He doesn't even care to mold his heart after me. I'm just protecting you from years and years and years of frustration. But God, he broke up with me, but I... Honey, I still love you. Or God, I prayed that if I bought three lotto tickets today, I would win. And I really felt that three was the number. And I didn't get it. And I kind of feel like God's kind of saying, well, you can't even get your finances in order now, let alone if I gave you millions, how, how crazy you would be. How many times do we come to God praying with the answer already determined in our head, thinking that this would be best for us, but we also need to recognize that God already knows what's best for us, and maybe we won't get the answer that we want. God has three answers when we pray. The one that we really like is yes. But I also want us to know that when he answers with no, that's still an answer. And I think that we equate an answer of no to him not giving us an answer at all, at all or he's not speaking. Last night at 9.30, I finally got my kids to bed when they're usually to bed at 7. Sophia was like, can you tell me another story, Daddy? I'm like, no, I'm not telling you another story. You need to go to sleep. That was an answer. And it's an okay answer. And Sophia turned over and went to sleep. And the other answer is no, not yet. Sometimes I feel like we think that if the answer doesn't come right away when we pray, He's not listening or he's not responding. 
tell Lazarus that. If anybody knows the story, Lazarus, Lazarus died. One of Jesus' best friends died, for, was dead for three days. And he, he comes up onto Lazarus' grave and, and Lazarus' wife and, and sisters and all their friends were there. And like, Jesus, you're too late. You're three days late. He died three days ago. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not. I'm right on time. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Come out of your grave. And Lazarus wakes up, comes back to life, and walks out. See, Jesus knows best. And as we pray, it's a lifeline. It's a direct communication to God. I think sometimes we think that prayer is literally just like kneeling down by our bedsides. I believe this for a few years because my mom was a prayer warrior. She would, she would pray for two, three hours a day. I remember it was like every moment that we weren't bugging her or when we would go to bug her, she'd be like praying, yes, son. Like she would and I always thought that praying had to be this moment of like kneeling down by my bedside, and that could be, and there's times that God calls us to pray and to close ourselves off, but prayer is also a constant communication. The Bible talks about prayer, pray continuously, but it always goes back to, as well, living a life of worship, that if we're continually surrendered to God, when we're having conversations, when we're actually doing stuff and serving people and working out, working out and, and doing our jobs, we're actually in communication with God because there's prayer happening. Because prayer is not just a one-way conversation of you always talking. Prayer is a two-way conversation of listening to God as well. So prayer is important. If Jesus modeled it for us, I think in our lives we can come to agree that talking to God, getting direction from God is important. Now, you might be asking the question, okay, Lauren, I, I agree. The Gospels talks about Jesus praying, and we give all these examples of him praying. But now, how do I do it? How do I, as a human, do it? And uh, I remember being taught this in my first year of Bible college by somebody that's in our church, by, by Pastor, Pastor Ron. And I want to I want to pass it on to you. So Ron, Pastor Ron passed it on to me. Now I'm going to pass it on to you. Okay. I know these acronyms are a little bit cheesy. Okay. I get it. They're from the '90s, but the '90s are coming back with the ripoff, tearaway, Adidas. It's coming back. I'm telling you, with the, all the all the colors, everything. It it is on its way back. But acronyms, I don't know if they'll ever come back. But we're going to bring them back for today. And if we look at the word prayer, prayer, P-R-A-Y. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're, okay, okay God, I'm, I'm going to pray, and you, and you kind of kneel down, and you're like, I, I, I just prayed for everything. Cool, thanks, God. And you're like, I don't know how to pray for more than like 36 seconds. And it's like, okay, oh, it's just 32 that time. And it's not about nailing down the amount of time uh, that you need to pray, but there is a part of activating a prayer life. And I've, I've known friends who've put out their watches as they went to pray, and they're like, oh, well, you're timing yourself. No, I just want to make sure I'm spending enough time with God because the devil is going to make me feel like I've already spent three hours when it's only been like three minutes. But if we look at pray as an acronym, this will help you pray for a little bit longer than I think you've been praying for. If we look at P which represents praise. When we praise God, it's, it's prayer. 
When we pray, why don't we take some time? The first step to praying is, God, I, I praise you. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you for sending your son. Thank you for giving me the air that I breathe and the pillow that I sleep on. I praise you because you are wonderful. And we take some time just in, our, in, our, in, our, in ourselves, in our, in our quiet times to praise God. Because he's worthy. And then R stands for repent. Now I'm sure that there's things in our lives that we can repent for. Now, I'm sure there are days as well that might be a little bit better than others, but God, forgive me for not making you first. God, I repent for the way I spoke to my, to my wife, for raising my voice at my kids. God, forgive me for speeding today. Forgive me for cheering for the Canadians. Forgive me for, right, repent. And this, the A stands for ask. And I think that so many times this is where we start when we pray. We just jump right to all the asking. God, could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? Before we actually recognize who he is, before we actually set our hearts in a place in repentance, that when we ask, it's coming to God in a place of of pure heart and pure motive, saying, God, okay, I've lined myself up with you. Now your will be done. According to your will, God, I ask you. And that's at a time where we can ask for our unsaved loved ones and ask for God's provision and, and ask for his guidance and his direction and start t- taking time to ask. And then there's the why, and I think this is the one that we really, 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 really forget. We spend time praising often. We might turn on Shine FM or have your favorite, favorite uh, album on iTunes or Apple Music or Spotify, and we, and we praise God. You know what, They're, we're probably driven to repentance, maybe not as much as we should be, but when we really screw up, we're probably driven to repentance. God, I am so, so, so sorry. And we have no problem asking because we want stuff. We're humans. We're, we're in want. But why stands for yielding? How many times do we end our prayers in just asking and never take time waiting for a response. How many times do we approach God like the chatty friend and be like, this was my day and this is what I did and this is my name and this, and you're like, hey, my name is, and they're just going, 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 going. I, I wonder how many times we approach God in that way and God's like, hey, can I, what, what, can I say, what, what, and we're like, oh, peace out. And we, we walk on, right? But it's really important to take time yielding and slowing ourselves down and listening and taking time for God's response. So I think if we tune our ear to his voice, might be able to hear him through all the noise. You might have heard this story before. There was an older gentleman in the streets of New York. And in all the hustle and bustle, he hears a cricket. He's sitting there with his, with his grandson. And he goes over into this bush that's 
was growing there and goes in and he sees a cricket and calls his grandson over and starts observing the cricket. And his grandson was like, how, how, did you, how did you hear that above all this noise? He was like, take it, just a second. He took a, took a dollar coin. So it was a Canadian in, in, uh, in America. He took a toonie. He threw it down the street. Bling, 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 bling. Everybody turned and went to grab it. They see, son, you will hear what you've tuned your ear to hear. We cannot tune our, hear, our ear to hear God's voice if we don't take time to listen for his voice. So today, I think we can use Jesus as an example that prayer is important, that is vital to our spiritual health. It is our lifeline that will keep us connected around the turmoil and chaos and storms of our life. But it is something that we need to spend time praising, repenting, asking, and yielding, listening. So this is my challenge. Many times in the Bible, when we look at Jesus and praying, and prayer can happen anytime. But many times we see that Jesus actually prayed early morning. And it's not that you can't pray any other time, but I would like to challenge us for this week, starting tomorrow, take 10 minutes, get up 10 minutes earlier if you need to, 10 minutes in the praise, repent, asking, and yielding. Literally do two minutes of praising, two minutes of repenting, two minutes of asking, and four minutes of yielding before your day starts. Because we can talk about checking your vitals. But if we do nothing about it, it's just talks. But God is after our hearts, and we want to be a church of people who has given our hearts completely to God. Through reading our Bible, through worshiping, through being a part of the community, and today, putting prayer into our lives. So would you do that with me this week? Spend 10 minutes every morning praising, repenting, asking, and yielding. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are, and we just give you praise. God, anything that is in our lives, God, forgive us. Help us be better. Help us pursue you. Help us become like Christ. God, we repent today of anything that is not like you. God, for our unsaved loved ones, God, our friends, our family, even our enemies that don't know you, the 300,000 people in our city, the 300,000 people in our city don't even know there's a choice to choose you. God, would you bring them closer to you? Would you bring them in our in our path, would you allow us to be the open door that they walk through? God, if there's anybody in here today that is in need financially, God, I pray that today will be a moment that they will continue to give your, their hearts to you and, God, that you would show up. God, if there's anybody in this place that is in need of a touch physically from sickness, God, I pray that today they would be touched by you. Would you just spend just a few minutes, just... 30 seconds just yielding with me.
Let's just listen to God's voice. God, we thank you so much for the ability to have a relationship with you, the ability to have a conversation. We thank you for the lifeline that we find in the discipline of praying. God, let us activate it in our lives and let us surrender our hearts completely to you. In your name, amen. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's podcast. Feel free to like or share it on social media. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes to be sure to never miss a recording. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please share your story with us by sending us an email at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca. Have a fantastic week.